Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Jonah? It is one of the 12 minor prophets. And today I have a message for you. Don't take that lightly. I think that we live in an age where there's, there's millions of sermons out there. There's millions of messages out there. But this week I have been prayerfully, prophetically preparing a message for you, for me, for us. And so if you're watching online, if you're in here, don't take that lightly. I think this message is the right message at the right time. And I'm praying for you to receive it prophetically into your heart, what the Lord would have to say to you this morning. So today it's a message on the book of Jonah, and it has to do with repentance and confession and the Lord using that in us. So today, this message, and then we will, uh, like we sometimes do, we will at the end of the sermon uh, stand and pray the prayer of confession, and then uh, we will go to the table, Brett will lead us to the table, and then we are going to sing a song that Erica, our worship leader, has written and the band has been practicing and it's going to use some of those words from the prayer of confession. We're going to sing those back to the Lord. So I'm very excited about this sermon. Turn to Jonah chapter three. We're going to jump into the center of this book and then I'll explain the context for this particular chapter. But let's read Jonah chapter three. Let's read the whole chapter. It's only 10 verses. If you would, would you stand with me as we read the word of God? Listen to these words. It's the story of this prophet Jonah. So chapter three, verse one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And we find that he came to him a first time and he ran away. Here he is after the whale. We'll talk about that in a minute. Coming to him a second time. Verse two, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. This time, verse three, Jonah obeyed the word of God and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Verse five, don't take this lightly. The Ninevites believed God, period. Amen. A fast was proclaimed. A fast is when you go without food. So, so they proclaimed like, let's go without food for a time. Let's pray. Let's grieve because of our sins. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Another, uh, this, this um, clothes in the ancient days. You didn't put on your party clothes if you were grieving. You put on sackcloth to, to make a, a notion that you were grieving and sorry for what you had done. Verse 6. Jonah, uh, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Here it is. Do not let the people, animals, herds, flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. So the proclamation of a fast. But let the people, the animals, be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on the Lord. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? Verse 9 says, God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord. God's thanks be to God. Let's pray. 
God, we come before you and, and Lord, we believe, we hope in the power of repentance, the power of confession. Lord, we know that you are a merciful God who delights in showing mercy. Lord, we, we sing that song to you. We believe that, that you delight in showing mercy. Lord, we pray to you. We love you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people shouted with joy. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Point number one. I got a three-point sermon for you today. I know you like the three points. I do too. Point number one is the book of Jonah reveals layers of God's love. The book of Jonah reveals to us just how deep and wide and beautiful God's love is. Is So the book of Jonah will reveal that. I'll I'll go through a a short summary of the book of Jonah. We'll get to this theme of repentance. But the book of Jonah is one of the 12 prophets that's not like the others, like the song, Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the other. Anybody? One of these things doesn't. Jonah doesn't really belong. All the other prophets, all the other 11 prophets are the words of the prophets being proclaimed to people. This isn't Jonah's words. This is a story about Jonah. And we kind of find out that he's not the best of characters. He's kind of the anti-hero. He's kind of the anti-prophet. He's the first non-prophet of the prophets. Anybody? (laughs) Jeez, you guys are a tough crowd. All right, let's get into the book of Jonah. Let's overview and summarize the book of Jonah, and then we'll get into this theme of repentance in this book. So the book opens up. It says, the word of the Lord comes to uh, Jonah, son of Amittai, says, go to Nineveh. And instead, what does Jonah do? Do you know the story? He goes in the exact opposite direction towards the coast, and he sets sail for a tropical island uh, paradise of Tarshish. And which is like, wait a minute, he was told to go preach here, and he runs in the opposite direction. And we don't know why at this point. We can guess why, uh, but it's chapter four that will reveal to us why Jonah tries to run away from that uh, proclamation that he is told to go preach to Nineveh. Chapter two, uh, well, to the end of chapter one, we find out that there's a great storm and he is thrown overboard. He is swallowed by a big fish whale creature beast. And in the belly of the whale, he prays. And what's missing from this prayer is confession and repentance. Uh, We'll talk about that in a minute. That's the theme this morning. But Jonah is not the one who confesses and repents for running away from what God told him to do. Instead, he does talk about how God will save and he changes his mind and he does go to Nineveh. That's where we picked up the story in chapter three. Jonah goes to Nineveh. He preaches a very short message and wow, the people actually repent. And that's usually where the kids' stories in. Like Jonah's one of these like kids' stories, right? It's in every kid's Bible. And it's like, what is God tells him to go? He goes the other way. Then he finally does go. Everybody repents. Uh, the story's over. Happily ever after, right? Well, there's, if you know the book of Jonah, there's a whole nother chapter, a whole nother fourth of this book that is like the zinger of what this book is really about because we find out why Jonah ran from the Lord. He ran from the Lord because he knows that the Ninevites will repent and he knows how merciful God is that he, God, will uh, forgive the Ninevites. So Jonah, this so 
so-called prophet is mad because God is so loving and merciful and ready to forgive. Like that, that's a zinger of a book. This is a complex book. Last year, literally last year at this time, February, we were on a series in the book of Jonah and we went through it in five weeks. And I just thought, man, we're just scratching the surface. We could have spent a lot more weeks on this book of Jonah. And one of the topics we did not cover was repentance and confession. And so here we are today getting to relook at this book and see the power of confession. Because Jonah goes to God and he's mad at God for being so merciful. In fact, he even throws, if you read the book of Jonah and get to chapter four, he throws back into God's face this verse from the Old Testament that is quoted again and again and again. It's kind of like the John 3.16 of our day, like it's quoted a lot, everybody knows it. Well, the verse in the Old Testament that everyone quotes and everyone knows is Exodus 34. And it says that the Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And so Jonah takes this verse and says, that's why I didn't want to go to Nineveh because I knew that you were slow to anger. You were compassionate. You were merciful and you would show mercy to these horrible Ninevites. Jonah wanted the Ninevites to suffer. They were a bad group of people. They, in history, uh, they, they supposedly had the first standing army. So an army that is, is an army and it's paid to be an army, a group of people that are paid even when there's not time of war. They're being trained for war and pillaging and murder. These Ninevites, these Assyrians, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, were some bad people. Their gate, according to uh, Tiglath Belezer in history, he was one of the leaders, set up this gate over the city of Nineveh that was human bones and skulls, warning enemies, telling them, we're out to get you. We are not welcoming you in here. Imagine like driving to Colorado from like another state. And instead of like, welcome to colorful Colorado, there was bones and skulls and no trespassing. Like this, these are the Ninevites. These are some bad, bad people. And for us, like there's kind of a disconnect because that's an ancient world. And so let me retell the story of Jonah in modern times. Can I do that? You ready for a little story time? All right. So imagine a rabbi in New York City. He's eating his bagel with a speckle of cream cheese on it, minding his own business. The year is 1938, a year before World War II will be declared. And the word of the Lord comes to this rabbi. The rabbi is well known. Everybody knows him as a holy guy. He's a prophet. He's great. Everybody loves him. Word of the Lord comes to him, says, go preach to the Nazis. Go to Nazi Germany and preach a message I will give you. Well, now it's like, oh, well, I, I know about the Nazis. Like, I know how horrible they were to the Jewish people. You could see why uh, a rabbi might leave New York and might literally like run to LA, get on a boat and head towards Hawaii, right? Like we could imagine this. Like, wow, yeah, that's the Nazis were really horrible people, especially to Jews. If the year is 1938, in this little story I'm telling, for six years prior, they had already been building concentration camps and bringing Jewish people to them even before World War II is declared. The Nazis were horrible, 
horrible people. Has anybody been to the museum in Israel, Avad, Yashim? A couple of people have. We, we all need to go to Israel. Start saving your money when we're allowed to travel again. Uh, maybe we'll take a trip to Israel and a Holy Land tour. I think that would be wonderful a couple of years down from now. Um, but if you go to this museum, I was told in the morning... Um, you can't get through this museum without crying. And I was like, well, don't tell me what I can't do. And so I had this attitude. It's like, I'm gonna go to this museum. I could, I could get through this museum without crying. I know about the Holocaust. I've seen pictures. I just knew in my head, I knew the horrible. I knew it was gonna be horrible. But I didn't need to, I was just like, I'm not gonna cry because you told me I'm going to. And so I'm going through this museum and, and it's, it's displays of, of pictures and kind of telling the story of how in Nazi Germany, things started progressing and then Jews were being hauled off and then even more Jews were being killed just because they were Jewish. And we get to this place. It's kind of a museum. You, you got to go there someday. It, it kind of leads you through as if you're going through a train station, as if you're in a cattle car yourself. The whole museum is set up in this way to kind of give you this feeling of like, like uncomfortability. And it gets to this room where the first time in this museum, it opens up and you see the actual cattle cars where Jewish people were put in and hauled off like in conditions worse than animals. And for me, it was when I saw, there was a poem on the wall and I saw a pile of shoes that the Jewish people had taken off and then they went into a gas chamber to be killed. And then I see in this pile of shoes, kids' shoes. And it was just like this, I couldn't stop weeping. Like it just hit me. So I couldn't breathe. I had to go to the bathroom. It was embarrassing, like thinking like this group of people did this horrible thing to another group of people. And I just thought like, this is the word, like I, I just flood, like f- waterfalls and waves hit me of like the suffering that one group of people put on another group of people. And in this little analogy that I'm giving to you of this Jewish rabbi going to Hawaii to get away from, you could kind of see it. Like, of course you would run from that. Like, of course Jonah would want to run from the word of the Lord telling him to go preach to his enemies. But imagine in this scenario, there's a storm. Uh, This Jewish rabbi is swallowed by a sea creature. He's gone for three days. He has this marvelous tale of being swallowed by a fish. He's spit out. He has a change of mind and he goes to Nazi Germany to proclaim this message. Imagine this. Imagine Nazi Germany before World War II repenting. Even, like, can you imagine? I can't imagine it. it it's, it's like beyond my imagination, but it's not beyond the Lord's imagination. It's not beyond forgiveness and repentance. But imagine like Adolf Hitler in 1938 saying, you're right. Like we need to repent. Let's call a fast. Let's have the whole nation, the whole Nazi party, all of Germany repent for what we have been doing and what we were planning to do. Can you imagine? This is the realization that we find in the book of Jonah. A whole country, a whole city repenting. That would be the power of repentance. I mean, just imagine if that happened, if the Nazi Germany repented. Can you imagine the history that would have been rewritten? Can you imagine the Jews that would have survived? Can you imagine the world that we would live in now not having the horror of World War II? It would be a different world. Imagine that. Imagine the power of repentance being played out. Point number two is this for this sermon. The book of Jonah invites you to look at yourself, invites me to look at myself. It invites us to hold up a mirror to ourselves and say, 
are there people that, that we don't want God's mercy to be shown to? Is there people, including ourselves, are we open to repentance and confession and receiving God's mercy? One of the genres that the book of Jonah could fall into is the genre of satire. Satire, as defined by uh, dictionary.com, uh, is the use of humor and irony to expose and to criticize people's wrong thinking. So in a humorous way, in an ironical way, ironical, an ironic way, you show someone the, the um, wrong thinking that they have. And the wrong thinking that is trying to be exposed in the book of Jonah is that these horrible people, just imagine any group of horrible people, they can't be forgiven because they won't repent. And it turns out people, even in the worst conditions, people, evil people can repent and God's mercy is shown to them. So the satirical elements in the book of Jonah uh, are as such. I mean, you kind of snicker, you kind of scoff at some of these things if you're reading through the book of Jonah and really understanding what's going on here. So a prophet is told, go to Nineveh, and instead he goes the exact opposite way. Like a man of God, like a holy person who knows God, a prophet, tries to run from God. Is that silly? Yeah, that's kind of a say. Can you run from God just by going to like a tropical island? Tarshish? No, you can't run away from God. That's silly. Every, you can kind of just scoff at that, like roll your eyes and go, Pfft. Like, that's what the, really? Like, really, Jonah? Like, you're running away from God? Uh, what's funny here, another satirical idea, is that the town of Nineveh literally means fish town. And so instead of going to fish town, Jonah goes into the sea and he gets swallowed by a fish. Like, you're supposed to, like, like really, Jonah? Like, do you see what you get? You're supposed to go to fish town, now you're swallowed by a fish. Uh, when he's in the boat, he's hiding in the hole of the boat. Can you hide from God? No, prophets know that. Instead, he's hiding away from God, not repenting. And who comes to tell him that he needs to repent and call on God? It's the sailors. Like sailors are usually pretty rough guys. Like we have a saying, uh, like talking like a cussing like a sailor. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's probably a bad thing. Sailors are usually just kind of like partying like a sailor, cussing like a sailor. These are bad guys going to the prophet to tell him you need to turn to God. That's ironic, right? Like sailors telling a prophet, they, the, and the sailors are the one calling on God. The sailors are the one who would make sacrifices to God. That's ironic. That's kind of, it should be kind of like funny in your mind. Um, the, uh, the same thing is like the, the prophet Jonah doesn't ever repent, but the wicked Ninevites do. And the wicked Ninevites even go so far, this is like the funniest scene to me, as to make a proclamation that all people and even animals need to put on sackcloth. Like there's these little pictures around Halloween of like people dressing up their dogs. And that's kind of funny. But can you imagine a whole nation being like proclaimed? Like there's a law that says you need to go out, get some sackcloth and put your little goats and sheeps and everything. Put them in sack. Like this is a funny image. It's okay to laugh, right? Like that's a funny image. It's, it's like beyond like, like exaggeration of how sorry these Ninevites were that even the people, even the animals need to repent because the whole land needs to change. Jonah's last words in this book um, are, if you're going to be so merciful, God, why don't you just kill me? And then God's last words, the book of Jonah ends with God saying, Jonah, 
is it okay with you? It's kind of like a, like a rhetorical question. Is it okay with you that I show mercy to these Ninevites and even the animals? And then the book ends. It's a very weird ending. It's a very abrupt ending to a book, which just makes us pick up a mirror and look at ourselves and wonder, like, are we the ones who would show mercy even to our enemies? Are we okay with God showing mercy to people that we don't like or get along with or disagree with? I think a lot of us in here are are Christians. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe not. But if you have, and if you come to church, then you probably have this uh, notion that, you know, the right answer to the question, does God love your enemies? Does God love bad people? Is... Yes, of course. He loves, our, he loves everyone. God loves people. And so we all have that attitude. Yes, God loves people. Some of us might even look at like um, our enemies and say, yeah, God loves even our enemies. God loves people that disagree with us, of course. God loves even people in the jail. Of course he does. And uh, we, we think through, you know, if, if a prisoner is in jail and they repent and come to Jesus, of course God would, would you know, fully forgive them no matter what they've done. We have this right answer in our heads. Even I think about like years ago, Ted Bundy, uh, the, the serial killer, came to Christ in prison. And he, Christians kind of rally. He's like, yes, even a, someone who did horrible, unimaginable things to other human beings, of course, they can be forgiven because of Christ. And Christ can forgive all things. And so we as Christians, we all, if, if we know the right answer, the right answer is yes, God forgives them. But I think a lot of us, if we are honest with ourselves, if we hold up a mirror to ourselves, I imagine a lot of us would have trouble looking at ourselves and say, God forgives me. God forgives you. God forgives our sins for what we have done. Sure, sure, God loves our enemies. Sure, God loves the people in prison. Sure, God loves, you know, if people repent, sure, God loves them. But I think a lot of us, if we're honest, have trouble receiving from forgiveness from the Lord. Point number three is this. There's hope in repentance for you. There's hope in repentance. If you're writing this down in your notes, write it down. There's hope in repentance for me. Write your name there. There's hope in repentance for every single one of us. The reality is that the heart of God chases down Jonah even when he runs off. He chases Jonah down in his love. He chases down the Ninevites because of his great love. These wicked people, God's love is chasing them down. And it's interesting. It's it's satirical that the, the righteous one, Jonah, is the one who's running away from God and not repenting while these sinners, these wicked sinners, the sailors, the the Ninevites, they are the ones repenting and coming into God's kingdom. It reminds me a whole lot of the words of Jesus. Jesus would go up against uh, the religious people of his day, the the good people, the, the fine citizens of his day. And the fine citizens were seeing that there were sinners coming to Jesus and following him. There were prostitutes, like, like people selling themselves for money and the greed involved. Like they, these prostitutes were asking for forgiveness and coming into the kingdom of God. There were tax collectors. In Jesus' day, they were like traitors. They were like fellow Jewish people who were taxing the Jewish people to give to Rome and taking huge cuts. So every single tax collector in this ancient Jesus time world was seen as a traitor, seen as a crook, and 
And these tax collectors like Matthew and like Zacchaeus was a tax collector. They, they repent of what they have done and they turn to Jesus and start following him. And so what do the good people do? The good citizens, people like you, people like me. Well, we see these sinners repenting and coming to the Lord. And, and it, it was people like us that said, how can this be? Jesus, don't you know who these people are? And Jesus says it like this. We'll put up the scripture here. Um, Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John, he's talking about John the Baptist. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. You know what John's message was? John's Baptist message was repent. The kingdom of God is near. So every single person, me included, we we all need to repent of what we've done. We all need to confess on, on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis, on a daily, on an hourly basis. If we were truly honest about ourselves and let the Holy Spirit guide us, we would know. Like We're in need of, of not declaring self-righteousness, but we are in need of repenting and confessing to the Lord the things we've done, the things we've failed to do. To repent, to confess, to go before the Lord, and then to receive his forgiveness. Half of it is, is the confession. Half of it is knowing that God will forgive. And the other half is then to receive it, to walk in righteousness, to walk in the freedom that God gives us. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to do what I mentioned at the beginning of this sermon, which is to say this prayer together, to, to not just say it, but to pray it, the prayer of confession. I'll say amen, and then Brett will lead us to the table. And then Erica and the the band, you guys can come up now because they're going to lead us in a song based on these words. But let's take a moment. Let's, Let's quiet ourselves. Let's think to the Lord thoughts. Let's let the Holy Spirit flow over us. Ask him things that that we know we need to confess. And Lord, we say we're sorry to you. Lord, we say that, that we want you to conform us to yourself. We know that you are powerful to forgive us of our sins. And so let's look at the, the words here. Let's pray this uh, prayer of confession together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.